today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. represent God to people. And if we're going to be there for one another, we have to overcome the obstacles. Don't get caught up in some past grief that won't let you move on to the next day. Don't be bound in some fear of what people will say or what they'll do or how they'll perceive you. Don't view people by merely natural eyes. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. God can't use me. I've messed up way too many times. Has Satan ever tried to deceive you with that lie? God does not intend for our failures to hold us back from accomplishing his perfect plan. He is ready to restore us and use us for his glory. In today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us of the story of David, who failed many times, but chose to recognize the sovereign hand of God on his life. Don't trust in your own accomplishments, but live a life that is totally dependent on Him. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. said to Samuel, Samuel, you just told me you're going to go off, have an offering there, and you're going to do that. And so Samuel remembered what God had said to him, and he rehearsed it. Now, he didn't rehearse his fears. Our difficulty is this. We rehearse our fears. The doctor says, oh, I'm a little concerned about this. Oh, I'm a little concerned. Oh. We grow and grow in our minds. Or like Samuel, what surprised me especially about this was Samuel was afraid to die. And I'm thinking, what what courage he faced Saul. I mean, he stood face to face, toe to toe, and rebuked the king. Samuel was a man of courage. But there are moments of weakness in our lives where suddenly we find ourselves at times vulnerable. Maybe you're afraid about finances. You watch the shaky economy and all that's happening. Maybe the fear of losing a job. Maybe it's the fear of sickness. Or like Samuel, maybe the fear of death. Well, let me give you a little suggestion on that one. Don't think and rehearse in your mind the hospital bed or, you know, the hospice bed situation that you might be in or the funeral service or even the graveside service don't even think about the meal that they'll have after the graveside service even though it'll be a big shindig don't think about it no fast forward the dvd beyond those events to the moment you will see him face to face oh i want to see him Look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. We used to sing. There is that hope that you and I have as Christians. That when this journey is over. We will be in the presence of the Lord. Even this godly good leader. Had to overcome fear. Saturate yourself with his word. 
and ask God, whatever that fear might be, his advice, and then replay, rehearse, review that in your mind over and over again. He had to deal with grief. He had to deal with fear. And maybe some of you aren't dealing with any of those things. But this next one you are. Because it plagues all of us. It has plagued the human race since its very beginnings. In order to be an instrument in God's hand to bring a blessing to others, you have to overcome this. Overcome our perceptions. In verses 6 to 7, it says when the whole family had gathered together and there they were in that little village of Bethlehem, Samuel saw Elia and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. I, I love the way Max Locato put this together. And I just want to read to you the interview. The scene has a dog show feel to it. Samuel examines the boys one at a time. The canines on leashes, more than once ready to give the blue ribbon, but each time God stops him. Eliab, the oldest, seems a logical choice. Envision him as the village Casanova. Wavy-haired, strong-jawed, He wears tight jeans and has piano keyboard smile. This is the guy Samuel thinks. Wrong, God says. Benadab enters as brother and contestant number two. You think a GQ model had just walked in. Italian suit, alligator skin shoes, jet black, oil black hair. Want a classy king? Abinadab has a bling bling. God's not so classy. Samuel asks for brother number three, Shema. He's bookish, studious, could use a charisma transplant, but bursting with brains. He has a degree from State University and eyes on a postgraduate program in Egypt. Jesse whispers to Samuel, Valedictorian of Bethlehem High. Samuel's impressed, but God isn't. This culture is so geared to look at the outward. So geared to look at what men see on the outside. They're looking just at what men look at. We're all like that. We know the adage, we've heard it, but we ignore it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet we do. Did you see that hunk? I mean, he's eye candy. Don't choose your mate on the basis of their looks. Choose it on the basis of their love for God on their heart towards God. Because if they'll love God, they'll love you. If they'll be faithful to God, they'll be faithful to you. I I could still remember like it was yesterday, an elder that I knew very well who was in charge of a search committee of a church that I had previously pastored many years ago. He was so disappointed. His name was Brother Lundy. They were interviewing potential pastoral candidates. 
And he came grief-stricken to me. He said, oh, I am so upset. We interviewed a pastor. He spoke like a pastor. He acted like a pastor. He looked like a pastor. Gray hair, handsome, you know. And I thought, what does a pastor look like? All sizes, all shapes. Oh, come on. Samuel was no novice. He was one of the great prayer warriors of the Old Testament. He was ranked with Moses and Jeremiah. He was spiritually discerning. But yet, like all of us, he was so prone to look at the outward. Gene Getz says, our goal in all of our people choices should be to develop God's perspective. Guess what? You, me, we're all priests. No, I know you're not wearing collars this morning. I know you don't have clerical garb, but listen to this passage of scripture in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We represent people to God. We represent God to people. And if we're going to be there for one another, we have to overcome the obstacles. Don't get caught up in some past grief that won't let you move on to the next day. Don't be bound in some fear of what people will say or what they'll do or how they'll perceive you. Don't view people by merely natural eyes, their height, their pedigree. Learn to hear, to listen to God's voice. Now, we've looked at the instrument of the anointing. I want you to look at the recipient of the anointing. In verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came on David with power. It was something that happened. It reminds me of the book of Acts when the anointing from heaven came on the church. There was power, change, transformation. Now, I want you to take note. In this anointing, it was Chuck Swindoll who said, I believe the title of this chapter was something like, The Boy Nobody Expected or something like that. Or, or nobody even thought about. God is sovereign in whom he anoints and who he calls and who he places his hand upon. And he hasn't abdicated that responsibility. He is sovereign. Look at verses 10 to 12. The sovereignty of God. Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now listen to his offhanded response. They're still the youngest. Now I like the message translation because it conveys the Hebrew well. Uh, they're still the runt. Uh, he's tending the sheep. Now, I I don't want to embarrass anybody here at all. That's not my point. But tending the sheep back then would be like, well, I guess pumping gas at the local gas station or bagging food at the local grocery store at the end. Uh, I mean, those jobs are fine, but that's, he didn't have some prominent position. 
God is sovereign. Jesse had his sons come when Samuel, the great prophet, was going to be there. And he forgot David. Maybe there was a problem there. Did God know about that problem? He certainly did. Hear me very well. The handicaps that you have grown up with, the disadvantages that have trailed you through life are sometimes and very often ordained by God to create a dependence in your life upon him. When his brothers, David's brothers, saw David come to the battle, they attributed to him all sorts of wrong motives. Uh, Not even his father, Jesse, considered him worthy to be part of that family festivity that all of the people of Bethlehem were at. I like the way God says it. Rise and anoint him. Could you picture it? Now, Samuel says very formally, very strongly, where is he? Taking care of the sheep. Send for him. We're not going to eat until he comes. That whole village, they were there for a party. They were not going to eat. They're all waiting. Jesse deploys his sons and they look through the hills for David and find him and bring him back. And there... This scrawny teenager comes walking in, smelling of sheep, needing a bath, and God says, he is the one. Though rejected in a sense by men, he's accepted by God. Does that sound something like his son, the Messiah? Though rejected of men, accepted by God. So very often, God chooses people that no one would choose. God lifts up the unexpected. He lifts up people that he would least expect. Because he wants the glory. Listen to David's cry in Psalm 27, a psalm full of faith, full of hope. Listen to what Psalms 27 verse 10 says. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Something happened in the loneliness of those shepherd fields when he sensed the rejection of his siblings and when he sensed the rejection of his father. He was pushed into a relationship with Almighty God. He was pushed into a relationship where he would say to God, keep me as the apple of your eye. God, they don't think much of me, but God, you know my heart. God, they don't count me for anything, but God, I know that your hand is on my life, and God's hand was on his life, and he was watching David. There's David, in the town that nobody thought of, the boy that nobody expected. God had his hand on him. Now, I think there's a reason for that. I don't want to psychoanalyze God and never would attempt to do that. But I think there's a reason behind that. See, when God first chose Saul, Saul knew that it was by grace and grace alone that God chose him. But he soon began to confuse his position with his person, and he mixed up the authority of his person with the authority of the position, and 
soon, he began to think of himself as bigger than he was. It's interesting. The scripture says, when Samuel rebuked Saul, he said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. When Saul was small, God had big plans for him. When Saul became big in his own mind, a legend in his own mind, he became small in God's mind and useless in his hands. Listen in contrast to David. David, the sweet psalmist who writes so many of our psalms. David, the great warrior king. David, who brought the nation from ruin to strength. Listen to his words. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness made me great. Oh God, you held me gently in your hands. You could have broken me. You could have crushed me. But God, you held me. You protected me. You lifted me up. When he sat before God and God said, I'm going to bless your house, listen to his response. The king, David, went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me thus far? See, David never forgot where he came from. David never forgot that it was God that found him in obscurity and placed him on the throne of Israel. And I believe that's the type of person that God is looking for, for men and women who will not get caught up with their own success and not believe their own press, but they will recognize that the sovereign hand of a merciful God has brought them where he's brought them and given them what they have and blessed them. Brother, you have the job that you have because God's allowed it. You have the success that you have because God's allowed it. You have the brains that you have because God's allowed it. And David recognized that. And lastly, I want you to just think about this well-known verse. It was spoken in the midst of Saul's disobedience when he rebelled against God. You could see that David had a heart towards God. Not only God's sovereign choice in lifting him up and picking him up and raising him up, but he had a heart towards God. In verse 14 of chapter 13, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Here's the key to understanding that passage. Here's the key that so many miss. It says this, and he appointed a leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. There was something about David that he wanted to do the will of God. There was something about David that wanted to fully obey God. Now, if you look at Saul and you look at his early years, if you didn't know the end, you would say, well, he doesn't look that bad. I mean, he obeyed God, but not, not fully, not fully, but who does? Well, well you know, you've got to be reasonable. Uh, look at uh, the big leagues. If you're batting 300, you're going to make big bucks. What manager would expect his players to bat 1,000? Hey, well, listen. If I'm 51% obedient to God, shouldn't that be enough? If that were the case, God would have accepted Saul. Now, I'm not saying what percentage it is. I'm not saying anything like that, but I am saying this. 
David had a heart to obey the Lord, to do his will. When you look at David's heart, he had a believing heart. He's only the fool says in his heart, there's no God. David had a thankful heart. You read the Psalms over and over again. It overflows with thankfulness to God. David had an open heart. He said, oh, God, search me and know my heart today. If there's any wicked way in me, cleanse me. See, God was looking for a man like that. David, when confronted with his sin, didn't play the game like Saul did. Saul, when confronted with his sin, said, I've sinned. He said the words, but his heart wasn't there. David, when confronted with his sin, said, I've sinned. He penned Psalm 51 and then Psalm 32 in deep repentance, acknowledging his strength. He had a dependent heart. Jesus, I'm dependent upon you. See, David knew what it was to depend upon God, to trust in God, to rely on God. He wasn't going to trust in the arm of flesh. He wasn't going to trust in his track record. He wasn't going to trust in his pedigree. He was going to trust in the gracious hand of Almighty God who scooped him out of obscurity and decided to use him. See, when you know where God has brought you from and you keep that in mind, oh, God can use you. Hallelujah. This passage is still true today as it was when it was written in Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God looks through the earth. For a young man, a young woman, he doesn't look as we look with outward appearances, but but he looks deep into the souls of men. He's looking for Jeremiah's. He's looking for Moses's. He's looking for Abraham's. He's looking for David's. He's looking for Paul's. He's looking for Peter's. He's looking for men and women who will say yes to his will and yes to his way and say, God, I'm a candidate. Use me, O Lord, and don't refuse me. Lord, let your anointing rest on me. Let your hand rest on me. I'm available for you, God. Here I am. Hallelujah. 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 Small church, part-time pastor, a shoe repairman, but yet a heart for God. Tried to motivate his denomination and the community churches to reach out in missions. They wouldn't move. They responded, if God wants to save the heathen, he'll do it himself. Propelled by a passion to reach the lost, he goes to India. And William Carey becomes the father of modern missions. He translates the Bible into Bengali and to Sanskrit. He becomes one of the great missionary leaders of our time. Shoe repairman, part-time pastor, simple brother. God is still Are you there? Building in faith. We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith. 
as Dr. Ed Jones teaches more from the incredible life of David. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's message and that you desire to seek God's will for your own life. Following God is an adventure and definitely goes against the grain of the world, but it's filled with the freedom that grace provides and blessings beyond compare. Would you like to know more about having a relationship with God? We'd love to tell you more. Please give us a call at 845-462-5955 and let us share how Jesus has changed our lives. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the activities for your family at Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We would be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent in fellowship with other believers, learning more about our Savior, and praising Him for all that He has done for us. Give us a call for more information. Our number again is 845-462-5955. We hope today's message has blessed you, and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed dives deeper into the life of David. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a way that we can be building in faith, building in faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly, Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.